Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. Lovely to see you. Lovely to see you. Helen, I have an exciting announcement <gasps> marking a milestone in my personal relationship with my fiance. Oh, what is it? I am happy to announce that we have now reached the point in our relationship where she can go visit her parents and I do not have to accompany her. <laughs> Congratulations. That is a milestone. <laughs> Thank and, you so and much. deserves congratulations. Thank you so much. That will make your life so much better. Uh, it will. And maybe hers and her parents. No, no. In all, in all <laughs> seriousness, her parents are lovely people. I've been there a couple times to, to visit them. But while she's away, I'm going to take a solo trip myself pending the result of my COVID test, which I'm taking as soon as we finish recording today. I will be going to Ecuador. Ooh. Yeah, I was able to put it all together on points and miles and, and stay in all these places for free and all that. The one place I could not use my points, though, for was this small beach town. And I was looking for hotels and like, what are the criteria? How can I decide where to stay? And I found one place and their main photo was of a person sitting on the patio with the beach behind them. On their lap was a cat and their arm was petting a turtle. What? And I thought, I'm staying here. No more looking. (laughs) I don't know how to search for this going forward. But from now on, if anyone listening knows how to search hotel filters for lap cat and petting a turtle, please let me know because I will stay in your establishment. (laughs) Helen, normally this is the time of the show where we get right into meeting our guests, but this is a very special show. Why is it so special this week, Helen? Because it's the Max Fun Drive. The 2022 Max Fun Drive runs until May 6th. That's right. And it's starting right now. It is your chance to show your support and your love for all of the shows here on Maximum Fun. And especially, we hope, go fact yourself. We've got some incredibly cool gifts, some incredibly cool goals, a chance for you. That's right. You to become a contestant on Go Fact Yourself. Some amazing bonus content. So much that we can talk about a little later in the show. And of course, you can join at MaximumFun.org slash join. Helen, what's that website again? MaximumFun.org slash join. In the meantime, perhaps not coincidentally, we've got two amazing guests who also happen to host shows here at Maximum Fun. Let's get started and meet them. Helen, who was up first? He is a writer, comedian, and actor who co-created the show Dicktown on FXX and Hulu and who hosts the podcast Judge John Hodgman right here on the Maximum Fun Network. It's John Hodgman. Hello, John Hodgman. Hello. Hello, J. Keith. Hello, Helen. It's me, John Hodgman. <laughs> oh, good. you introduce. Thank you. Thank you for verifying. Everything's going according to plan. It is. Let's see how long we can keep that up. Judge John Hodgman, it's such a great show. You've recorded over 550 episodes. Wow. Has the show changed much over the course of its existence from the first episode to the 550 plus? The premise is the same as it always was way back when we started it 10,000 years ago. <laughs> I am the judge, a mm-hmm. fake judge as it happens. I have no legal training whatsoever. Litigants call in with their disputes about who's washing the dishes wrong or how to make the bed correctly. And I listen to both sides and I say who's right and who's wrong. What's changed over the years, I think, is that I used to be very, very, well, judgmental. (laughs) It seems appropriate (laughs) on its face, yes. (laughs) Yeah. I really got mad at the person who was trying to tell me that chili was a soup. That guy was wrong. (laughs) That guy is wrong. I'm sorry, but that's wrong. (laughs) 
<laughs> now I think I would be less harsh and more interested in learning how he came to this obviously wrongheaded <laughs> idea. Are your judgments, John, legally binding in any way? Like if you say, yes, you must load the dishwasher this way, like does the does the couple in question then have to use your legally binding judgment? Yeah, we try to get to the emotional crux yeah. of what's underlying the dispute. I try to present a sentence or a solution that honors both parties' points of view and needs. So Yeah, I'm really happy to hear you say that because I really think that's what distinguishes it from what could be something that's catty or judgmental because a lot of times it really is about people who just aren't feeling heard yeah. or really want to feel respected more in whatever relationship that they're in. And, and I really like that you key in on that a lot of times. It really spoke to the principle that we've established on the podcast, which is if it's not fun for everybody, it's no fun at all. Well done. You've also got an animated show called Dicktown that you star in that's on FXX and available on Hulu. This show is a very interesting concept. Dicktown is the cartoon that I co-created with my my dear friend, uh, David Reese, mm -hmm. who, as you may or may not know, was a political cartoonist in the 2000s. So the premise is my character is a f sort of Encyclopedia Brown style boy detective who has grown up and is now a sad middle-aged man. <laughs> living on a dilapidated houseboat in this town that he never left. And David's character is my former high school bully and arch nemesis who has also failed to thrive. And for reasons that will never be explained, he has now become my driver, hired muscle, and unlikely friend. And we solve mysteries yeah, for teenagers. Yeah, solve mysteries for teenagers, which is, yeah. which is great. Now, you mentioned that uh, this is sort of based on you. Your character is named John Hunchman, uh, yes. who not only sounds a lot like you, but looks a lot like you. What was that process like for you of seeing yourself drawn? Humiliating. Humiliating. Oh, no. <laughs> we did it with Floyd County, the, the, the studio that brought you Archer. Matt mm -hmm. Thompson, the co-creator of Archer, is our EP. And when we first saw the designs, they sent us like 30 different designs for what our characters might look like in vastly different cartoon styles. And all but about four of them, my character is three feet tall and <laughs> and very pudgy <laughs> and with a very walrusy mustache. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this is that's okay. That's how the world sees me. Oh, this is like if you ask any of your friends to set you up on a blind date and you're like, right? oh, this is what everyone thinks of me. Oy. Yeah, learning how the world <laughs> sees you is a, one of the weirder gifts of being on camera, or at least on, on cartoon camera in this case. Last one I ask you about, when we first met, we actually got into a discussion about Scrabble because uh, I'm an avid player, and at the time you were, are you currently still active in the uh, Scrabble playing community? The Scrabble playing community in my house means me and my wife, who is a whole okay. human being in our own right. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we have stopped playing Scrabble regularly because um, we have the exact same vocabulary. And we have, and we have <laughs> too many ties. Yeah, it's, well, it's just it just becomes a real slog, and we're we know all the two letter words, and we're oh. making these these tight like knots of two letter words that are right. like gumming up the board. There's no fun anymore. It's just mm. uh, oh. just we're too evenly matched. So maybe you and I could play together. Sometime. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually have a standing bet with a friend of mine of who between the two of us will be the first to play a real-life Scrabble game with John Hodgman. So I would like to win that bet, and I look forward to playing with what you. What are the stakes of the bet? You know, just a couple of nerds talking about John Hodgman and Scrabble. So nothing. Ooh, make it for money. I'll take half. and then <laughs> Done and done. That yeah. is how you win the bet and play John Hodgman in Scrabble. Thanks so much for joining us. It's John Hodgman.
Yay! Yay for indeed. Danielle. Oh well, speaking of Danielle, Helen, against whom will John be competing? She is a writer, comedian, and actor whose work can be seen on Screen Junkies and Fandom, and who hosts the podcast Tights and Fights here on Maximum Fun. It's Danielle Radford. Yay! Whistles and snaps from John Hodgman for Danielle Radford. Oh, that's nice. Hello, Danielle. That is incredibly kind. Hi, hello. And I believe a first for our show. Hello, Danielle. Wonderful to have you. Thank you for joining us. It's so funny because you talk about Judge John Hodgman and whether or not things are legally binding. Mm-hmm. I was actually a paralegal <gasps> for my day job when I first started doing stand-up. Wow. So if you're a paralegal, forgive me, I know nothing about hardly anything, but um, if you're a paralegal... <laughs> Does that mean you have some sort of... It means of- she's a ghost lawyer. Like paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> that was exactly my question, John. I think that's what it is. Are you here? Are you in the spirit realm right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so the way that that works is if you're a paralegal, you just go up and every time uh, someone pleads the fifth, you're just like, boo. Like that's the way that... <laughs> But yeah, so when you're a paralegal, not only are you able to do simple transcription, but you're also able to do things like craft orders and and, and things that go to the court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I worked on estate planning where uh, essentially they just tell me this is here, it goes to what, whatever, and like I could bust out a will (gasps) or a trust. I mean, I haven't done it in a few years. The last time I was doing it was when I first moved here. But yeah. Let's talk about what you're up to uh, these days. Mm -hmm. You are one of the hosts of Tights and Fights, Mm. which is a podcast on Maximum Fun about wrestling. And as we record this, this is a big weekend for you. Tell the listeners what is going on this weekend. Wrestle bleeping mania. (laughs) It is a huge weekend. Like first it was, okay, WrestleMania itself is like a few hours. And then like four hours. And like six hours. And so funny, they were like, you know what? We're just going to make it two days. And we were all like, yeah, that's fine. Wow. And we were between the first and second day right now. How, how has it been for you? It, it, this is an event that you refer to on your show as Ice Cream Christmas. We do. <laughs> because it combines the best of everything, mm-hmm. both Christmas, where you get all of the presents that you've been so good for the rest of the mm-hmm. year. And then it's ice cream because it doesn't like ice cream like you get a little treat. But I've been watching wrestling most of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of my, it, like, it would have been one of my expert topics, but I was like, I should probably not do the one. That's the podcast. Yes. If we were doing wrestling, you would be our expert. So it would be be an interesting (laughs) case for you to be a guest. And now the stereotypical wrestling fan I think a lot of people think of is a straight white teenage boy. How do you see wrestling? Do you see them embracing diversity more and more? I see articles sort of debating whether they are or not. What's your experience like? Well, so I would say right now a lot of wrestling, it's the same thing that happened with comic books and a lot of nerd Mm -hmm. stuff. Black folks, women, women of color, um, queer folks. We've always been here. There were just periods where it felt like, ah, this thing that I love doesn't necessarily love me as much as I love it back. And then one day we (laughs) yelled at it so much that someone went, we could make money off this. And then they did. And now we have diversity. Brow, brow, brow. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I feel the same way about sci-fi. Mm, is that mm-hmm. sci- sci-fi is a very similar, you know, has a similar road to the current world because, you know, sci-fi was generally always seen as a straight, white, young male domain. But we, female and people of color, sci-fi fans have always been here. Mm-hmm. But now it's, I think, 
yeah, because the world is changing, it's because we're screaming louder or something. And people are noticing us. That's when the New York Times runs an op-ed saying, there's too much free speech, cancel culture. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you just don't like who's talking, dudes. You're mad that you're not the only ones who get to talk now. So gross. Now, of course, you're a fan of comic books and pop culture, but now you've gotten the chance to write your own comic. Tell us about it. So I recently did a comic for Oni that is a licensed property for Agretzko the cartoon. And so they do a bunch of miniseries with Agretzko. And so I wrote Agretzko Meet Her World. I think it was number three. And yes, it's about wrestling. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. If you know me, there are like little things that I put in there that are like, that's Danielle. That's Danielle. I love corgis. I made characters a corgi. Yeah, I remember seeing that wrestling paralegal and thinking that is so Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, Danielle, you've done a lot of work with screen junkies, uh, writing and appearing on shows like Honest Trailers and Movie Fights. Uh, Movie Fights is a debate show where people will argue about, for instance, the worst M. Night Shyamalan movie, which I don't know how you choose that one. Do you have any advice on how to win nerdy debates? What winds up happening is that it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It matters who is the most passionate And often, who was the funniest, which is probably not fair. But if you, the trick to these is present something as though you mean it. Don't pick like a joke answer. Pick the thing you Mm. think and then make me laugh. But we'll see if a similar kind of a debate strategy comes up today. It will not, but I will try. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Last thing I want to ask both of you about, we, of course, are dropping this during the Max Fun Drive. And I wanted to uh, ask John and Danielle if you could talk a little bit about what being on Max Fun and having listener support means to you. Well, I mean, Judge John Hodgman's been on the fake internet air for a long time. And I thought being a member of this community of listeners who directly supported the things they love was pretty cool for years and years and years. And then the past couple of years, which have been challenging and difficult for all kinds of reasons, knowing that I was able to keep a devoted group of listeners distracted and and maybe a little bit even entertained, but mostly distracted <laughs> during some very hard times was yeah. really meaningful to me. And knowing that they were there keeping me company too, it was profound. And I don't think that any other media network has quite the same vibe to it as one that is creator-owned and listener-supported like Maximum Fun is totally essential to my life, and I'm just very proud to be a part of it. Very good. Uh, Danielle, what do you have to say? A big part of Tights and Fights is that we like to be a home for people who are like us, who love this thing, who want to engage in this thing, the silly, wonderful, awesome, ridiculous thing. <laughs> it is about, hey, Let's all enjoy this thing in a way that we can do without it being so terrible and toxic. And so that's what we do. And so I've been so lucky to be a part of the Max Fun family. In fact, during Max Fun drives in the past, I forget what year it is, but y'all raised so much money that Jesse was like, if we hit a certain goal, we're going to go and do a show at the Grand Canyon. And he was like, ha, 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 ha. That's never going to happen. And then it did. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and I got picked to go to the Grand Canyon. And I'd never wow. been to the Grand Canyon before. Wow. I went to a petting zoo. A deer ate my dress, my favorite dress. I could never wear it again. There were flowers on it. I wish someone had told me, hey, don't wear dresses with flowers because deer eat those. So I'm literally sitting there and it's my dream. I see all these deer come up to me and I'm like, ha, 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 Like, I feel like a Disney princess. And then they just start munching on me. I I think the lesson here is that, listeners, if 
if you want Helen or I to have our clothes eaten by a deer, please support us in the Max Fund Drive. Send more money. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us, John Hodgman and Danielle Radford. Danielle and John, we ask each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. John, you said you know a lot about cryptozoology, the Legion of Superheroes, and Maine. Whereas, Danielle, you said you know a lot about early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms and sketch shows, Mm -hmm. the video game Mortal Kombat, and Seattle. Ooh, Northeast versus Northwest. Let's see what's going to happen today. Later Whose on, crabs are better? Ours. <laughs> <laughs> well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Ice Ice Baby. First up is John with Ice Ice. John, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right, play it. Hey, everyone. My name is Anna Mulder. I'm from Los Angeles, California. My question for What's the Difference is, while both are delightful enough to make you say, oh, baby, what's the difference between icing and frosting? Have a great show. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. All right, John, you heard Anna. What is the difference between icing and frosting? And we are asking it in terms of their appearance and functionality, not necessarily their ingredients. This is very difficult for me because I don't eat a lot of cakes, as I Mm. say on our podcast frequently. I do not have a sweet tooth. I have an alcohol molar. (laughs) (laughs) But I did work in a bakery for a while, and I know that I did apply buttercream frosting onto cakes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to say frosting covers a whole cake. Icing is just decoration. Just decoration. All right, we've got John's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Danielle, if you don't think you got it just right, you can steal. What do you think? Okay, so I've never worked in a bakery. My answer would be that icing is something that you do in hockey where like you turn a certain way and like hits a bunch of dudes with ice. And then mm-hmm. frosting is a technique that you could use to decorate windows or other kind of glass things. Okay. Interesting strategy. We'll see if that pays off. Well, it's time to blow out the candles on this segment. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Frosting is thick and fluffy and is used to coat a cake and or to separate layers of a cake. Icing is thin and shell-like and is used as a glaze or for detailed decoration. You're also much more likely to see icing on a cookie. That's right. Icing will usually harden as it dries, which makes it ideal for adding lines and lettering on top of your item. So the Mm. same dessert could be covered in frosting and decorated with icing, which would really just be the frosting on the cake. Helen, how did our guest do? John, you were sort of in the ballpark for both. Yeah, I'll give you two points. Two points for John Hodgman. Very good. Danielle, I'm going to Venmo you my point. (laughs) (laughs) Can you coffee me that? Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Up next in Ice Ice Baby is Danielle with Baby. Danielle, while both are cute enough to celebrate with a cake, what's the difference between a baby and an infant? A baby and an infant. All infants are babies, but not all babies are infants. Infants is an actual term for like a certain point of a baby's life. So I believe infancy is at least from like birth through about 
six months to a year and then after like six months to a year you become a baby and uh you know at that point like you can hold your head up like don't ask me for it <laughs> that is exactly what it said in the dictionary that we looked up um, <laughs> but we'll see if the rest of that is correct all right we've got danielle's answer we don't know yet if she's exactly correct john what do you think an infant is fluffy and a baby <laughs> hardens at, over time. Yes, they definitely have a glaze about them, don't they, sometimes? This segment smells like it needs to be changed. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A baby is a child who is anywhere from one second old to four years old. An infant is a baby who is anywhere from one second old to one year old. But once you've turned one... Your infant days are over. That's right, Helen. Also, newborns are children less than a couple months old. So all newborns are both babies and infants. And as Danielle said, all infants are babies, but not all babies are infants or newborns. It couldn't be simpler. Helen, how did our guest do? Yeah, two points for Danielle. Very good, Danielle. All right. What is our score at the end of that exciting round? Oh, it's a tight game, Jay Keith. At the end of that round, John Hodgman has two points and Danielle Radford has two points. All right. Very good. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. But first, let's talk about the Max Fun Drive. Helen, don't we love the Max Fun Drive? We love the Max Fun Drive. Maximum Fun is an awesome organization that we're part of. And the Max Fun Drive is when we ask you for money. Yay! But it's more than money, really. It's membership in a community, and that membership helps pay for our shows. You know that our shows are directly supported by the members. If you don't support us, we don't have a show. So this is the one time of the year that we put a lot of energy into letting you know how you can support the show as a member. Please join us as a member. That's right. <laughs> you can join, upgrade, boost your membership, or buy a gift membership for a friend or an anonymous Max Funster. Ooh, and that's a great way to support the show because, you know, not everyone can afford right now to become a member of Max Fun. And so if you sponsor someone else's membership, they will get all of the benefits of memberships that you get as a member. It's what my people call a mitzvah. <laughs> All memberships at $5 a month or more get bonus content access. Oh, we already recorded our bonus content this year. It's a crossover episode with another game show here at Maximum Fun called Dr. Game Show. We've got the hosts of that show, Manolo Moreno and Joe Firestone, playing games with us. We play games with them. It's a lot of fun, and you can only get it in the bonus content feed at Maximum Fun. But you don't just get that episode. You get all of the bonus episodes that we've recorded over the years and every bonus episode that every Max Fun show has ever recorded. That's hundreds of hours of bonus content for you. But Helen, we've got goals just for our supporters as well. First of all, everyone who contributes at any level and selects Go Fact Yourself as a show that they support is going to get their choice of a photo. Helen, what are those photos going to be? It's the same thing we did last year. The photos are going to be of our animals, Yay! our animal companions. So uh, Jay Keith, as you all know, is a, uh, has two beautiful cats. And Helen, of course, has a very attractive dog named uh, Dodger. If you let us know on social media that you supported us, we will happily send you your choice of a photo of Cookie or Muffin my cats, or Dodger, Helen's dog. So that's for anyone who contributes at any level, and we're so grateful to have you. But everyone who is a new upgrading or boosting of their membership this year gets a chance to opt in to play our months-long trivia tournament, and that will culminate in a chance to be on a special listener edition mini-episode of Go Fact Yourself starring 
two of you listeners recorded via Zoom. Just imagine us talking about the topics that you all are obsessed with. Mine personally, J. Keefe, as you know, would be the, the Donner, Donner Party. Party. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Next Generation. Yep, Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> and I don't know what your third one is these days. Probably Huskies. I know a lot about Huskies because Dodger Dodger is a Husky. And when I got Dodger, I knew nothing about Huskies. And I did a deep dive. So now I know a lot about Huskies. All right. But we're going to find out about the topics that interest you, the listener, the most. Because we are guaranteed to record at least one mini episode of the show via Zoom for two listeners who win our months-long trivia tournament. But guess what? We have a goal. If we get... At 650 new upgrading or boosting members, we're going to add a second listener edition mini episode of the show what? recorded via Zoom, doubling your chances. That's right. Four what? of you listeners are going to get to record an episode, a mini episode with us of the show that will be available in our bonus content feed. Those exciting events will happen if we get to 650 new upgrading or boosting members. Helen, guess what happens if we reach our stretch goal of 800 new upgrading or boosted members? More listeners might have a chance to be yeah. a guest on <laughs> you're, yeah you're on the right track we're actually going to do a full listener episode via zoom what? with experts with our true or false round with our what's the difference round you will be treated as if you are the celebrity that you are in your what? own mind here on go fact yourself if we reach our stretch goal of 800 new upgrading or boosting members helen how do those people become new upgrading or boosting members what website do they go to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's MaximumFun.org slash join. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to give you this opportunity. And let's play more of Go Fact Yourself right now. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, John Hodgman and Danielle Radford. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, John, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about cryptozoology, the Legion of Superheroes, and Maine. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us about cryptozoology, what it means to you. Well, cryptozoology, in case your listeners don't know, of course, is the study of undiscovered animals, Bigfoots and Loch Ness monsters and mm -hmm. Nessies and Yetis and Chessies. And wh why do you know and uh, like that topic so much? You know, I'm fascinated with the paranormal and the idea that something else might be out there because I worry that if the world is exactly as we perceive it, then I will turn to dust soon and it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> the world is a big place and there are many, many strange creatures that exist within it. it. It keeps you humble, the idea of, uh, of a Bigfoot being out yeah, there. Yeah, exactly so. All right. You also said you know a lot about the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah, the Legion of Superheroes. I'm a Marvel Comics kid through and through all the time. I was X-Men all the way. But my friend Damon Graff, when I was growing up, he's my oldest friend. He was into Legion of Superheroes. And I was like, what is this imitation of the X-Men set in a future society? <laughs> and he tried to explain it to me. And then I just remember my whole world changed the moment he said, Matter Eater Lad. I can see Danielle's loving this. I'm so sorry. Happy. I am loving this so much. And, and like you, I got into comics from X-Men. Anyway, sorry, continue. I yeah. am loving this. this. is the best thing that ever so, happened So Danielle, will you favor me? Because I'm afraid that I might just explode if I do it. Will you, would you please explain what Matter Eater Lad's powers are? <laughs> He eats matter. Yeah, he eats matter. He eats matter. I just <laughs> remember so looking dumb. at Damon Graff going, so what, his superpower is he can eat anything? And Damon was like, yeah, he can eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're bringing in a lot of new fans just from that description. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, you also said you know a lot about Maine. My wife, who's a whole human being in her own right, has family there and has grown up going there for her entire life. And it's a place that she loves 
more than any other place or frankly person in the world. <laughs> Just as when I graduated from college, she informed me that I would be moving to New York and not moving back to Boston. And I said, okay, and that was the right decision. She has informed me that we will die together in Maine. Which, because Spain is an appropriate place for morbid thoughts. Stephen you know? King is from Maine, so yeah. Stephen King. It's a dark, scary, beautiful place. And I wrote a book called Vacation Land about my mixed feelings about Maine, mostly positive. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, its nickname is Vacation Land, and that, can, oh, that has to be a cruel joke, because <laughs> it is yeah. not a place where you go to relax. It is a place for you to have an existential crisis. All right, so to summarize, John, you told us you know a lot about cryptozoology, the Legion of Superheroes, and Maine. Today we're going to quiz you about the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I'm so happy about this. Oh, good. We love making people happy. Well, the Legion of Superheroes goes back several decades. Have you read them all? Do you go back to the beginning and to the current iteration? I wouldn't say that I've read every issue mm -hmm. and, you know, the current iteration is <laughs> on hiatus again. Mm -hmm. They were they were very popular sort of funny, light superhero book for kids mm -hmm. in the 60s. And then in the 70s, like a lot of comics, they started to get very serious and the Legion of Superheroes tried to also be somewhat serious. Mm. And that was, to me, the most enjoyable thing. When they were starting to get into the 70s and 80s and this high drama between these kids and this superhero club... And they would have these like heavy duty storylines, and one of them was still named Matter Eater Lad. <laughs> I loved that contrast of like silly and serious. And you also were familiar, of course, with the animated series that you were a fan of that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, there are only two seasons of it. Mm -hmm. They did a really good job of interpreting the Legion of Superheroes, but it's I just think either you get this thing or you don't. It's just such a huge part of the DC Comics legacy, mm -hmm. but it's never been their most popular thing. And the you know the Legion of Superheroes cartoon only had two short seasons, mm -hmm. but they were great. I can see Danielle nodding in agreement. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, John, to let you show your love, here are five uh -huh. trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Danielle, do listen closely because if John answers incorrectly, you can steal. Danielle, by the way, how much do you know about the Legion of Superheroes? There are a lot of members and they're always changing. I I won't I, there's names I want to say, but I'm not going to say I'm like other superheroes that people might know better right. who have interacted mm -hmm. with them in the future. Zip it. Because you're ready to steal. You're ready to steal this whole category. I'm ready to share. <laughs> I love it. Let's see if John gives you a chance to share your love on this as well. Here's question number one for John Hodgman. Legion of Superheroes is so popular as a comic book that it got its own animated TV series. The comic is called Legion of Superheroes, and the TV series is also called Legion of Superheroes, and even though they sound identical, they are not. What punctuation mark was removed between the words super and heroes for the hyphen. TV series? What punctuation mark was removed between the words answer super? Answer is hyphen. What punctuation mark was removed hyphen between the, the answer. <laughs> Helen? That is correct. That is correct. It was a hyphen between the word superheroes for the TV show title. Do you want to say why? Sorry, I'm Jake, sorry. You... It's such an interesting story. I would love to hear why. Oh, well, the reason why is because I believe it's Marvel TM to the word superhero all one word. How about that? If I want to call myself a superhero, I owe Marvel money. Just put a hyphen. 
Which is funny because Spider-Man has a hyphen and doesn't necessarily need to. Wow. I had another fun fact, but that is so much more fun. I'm going to move on to the next question. No, that's fantastic. We appreciate the extra knowledge. All right, here's question number two. The Legion of Superheroes first appeared as a group of three time travelers from the far-off future who came to the 20th century to recruit what teenage resident of Smallville? Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superboy. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course, for the point. Uh, you did not need the hint, but Helen, what would that hint have been? He was older than Super Infant and Super Baby. <laughs> and we know the difference in those now, don't we? Fun fact, Lightning Boy, Saturn Girl, and Cosmic Boy were that trio of super teens who put Superboy through an elaborate hazing ritual before they let him join. All right, John, you're two for two. Here's question number three. Starting in the 1980s, a hit movie franchise, which has now spun off into a hit Netflix series, had a line in the closing credits saying that the title of the movie was used with the consent of DC Comics, Inc. What was this movie franchise that shared a name with one of the members of the Legion of Superheroes? Wow. Stuff's getting real. It's a Netflix series. Currently. Mm -hmm. Currently. Currently a Netflix series, it was spun off from a hit movie franchise from the 1980s. I need the hint, honestly. Helen, how about that first hint? I could wax on and wax off about how oh. great these movies are. Right, of course, Karate Kid. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Sorry, Danielle, not a chance to steal, but very good, John, using that hint. Fun fact, Karate Kid, another of the teen members of the Legion, was a master of every documented martial art up through the 31st century, but his girlfriend, Princess Projectra, could always karate chop his heart. Later known as Censor Girl. Oh, because Princess Projectra is so easy to say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Here's question number four. John, we've heard about some of the characters in the Legion of Superheroes universe, and as you mentioned, there are more, lots more. But which of the following is not one of the characters that you might encounter in a Legion comic book? Is it Porcupine Pete, Chlorophyll Kid, Geiger Counter Girl, Infectious Lass, or Arm Fall Off Boy? Yeah, it's either Geiger Counter Girl or Arm Fall Off Boy. There literally was a character named Stoneboy who could just turn into a statue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think Geiger Counter Girl is part of it, part of the deal. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh. Geiger Counter Girl is the one that we made up. Very good, John. Uh, fun fact, Arm Fall Off Boy tried out for the Legion but never made it. His superpower was that he could remove his limbs and use them as weapons. And when his arm popped off, it made the sound plorp. Plorp. <laughs> P-L-O-R-P. <laughs> John Hodgman, you are 4 for 4, have a chance to go 5 for 5. If you can get this question correct, you do have your second hint available. On the aforementioned Legion animated TV series, Superboy, Lightning Lad, and Saturn Girl were voiced, respectively, by Yuri Lowenthal, Andy Milder, and Kari Walgren. But what Emmy-winning voice actor, much more famous for his role on another animated series, provided the voice of Boris, a classic horror figure from the episode Fear Factory? I'll take the hint. I have, an, I have a guess, but I'll take the hint just to leave no stone unturned. No stone boy unturned. <laughs> Helen, how about that second hint? He is the voice of several characters on The Simpsons, including Homer. Oh, Dan Castellaneta. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. John Hodgman is five for five. Was that the one that you had uh, an instinct 
Did it request? No, absolutely not. Oh, no. then excellent I, use of the hint. I thought this was going to be a Maurice LaMarche jam. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fun fact, Yardley Smith, the Emmy-winning voice of Lisa Simpson, has been with us as an expert on episode 56 and a contestant on episode 75 of Go Fact Yourself. Nancy Cartwright, the Emmy-winning voice of Bart Simpson, will be on our episode scheduled to drop on May 20th. Dan Castellaneta has won four Emmys for his work on The Simpsons. John, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. John, since first conceived in the 1950s, every member of the Legion has been humanoid, meaning that even if they were not human per se, they still walked around on two legs and had two arms and generally looked human-ish. But that changed in 1985, when the first two non-humanoids joined the Legion. For up to three points, who are these first two non-humanoids and what writer created these two characters with artist Steve Lytle? One of them is an interdimensional creature who lives in a little vehicle. <laughs> Naturally. And I want to say that his name is Quisling. Okay. Quisling. But that's a different that's a different word. It's something like that. Something like Quisling, okay? D- define non-humanoid again? Something that did not have two legs, two arms and look humanish. So something that either had more or fewer legs and arms than two apiece. And there are two two of them, right? Yes. So the one that you said was something like Quisling. There was a psychic character named Tellus who's okay. sort of fish-like. Okay. But I think still pretty humanoid, but I can't think of anyone else who would fit the bill. Okay. So I'm going to guess those two. Okay. And then we're looking for the writer who created those well, two. Oh, that would be Paul Levitz. Paul Levitz. Okay. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on the hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an Eisner and Inkpot award-winning writer and editor who was president of DC Comics and whose work includes over a decade of writing Legion of Superheroes. It's Paul Levitz. Wow. Hello, Paul Levitz. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Paul. My pleasure. Hiya, John. Good to see you. You know, you know Danielle? Nice to meet you, Danielle. Hi. Look forward to meeting you in person one of these days. You both are freaking out. <laughs> My heart is beating so fast. Oh, that's so Aww. exciting. This seriously is what I think. It's like, you know I love Maine. You know I love cryptozoology. Like, what if it's Legion of Superheroes? And what if they get Paul Levitz to come no. on? That would be the greatest. Really? <laughs> Paul, before we get into specifics about Legion of Superheroes, first let's talk about that you and John actually know each other. We do indeed. John's college roommate is a old buddy of mine who introduced us and we've had a couple of fun meals together and I'm hoping that John will feel guilty enough after my appearance here that uh, I can borrow him for one of my courses that I teach at Pace University in the fall. I exist at your service, whatever you require. Well, how lovely. Well, tell us about the classes that you teach, Paul, and uh, where John would fit into that. I teach a range of classes that revolve around the graphic novel, writing the graphic novel, graphic novel as literature, transmedia, all things based on my experience. But for the first time, Pace is inviting me to do a course in their undergraduate business school in new ventures in arts and entertainment management. And I rather thought that John's experience in really making himself into a multimedia brand and particularly in podcasting would be a useful thing for the kids to hear about. They would be so lucky. Or so unfortunate, but yeah. yes. I would come in. <laughs> Paul, you've written over 500 stories of iconic characters that include Batman and Superman. You've got sales of over 25 million copies of your stories, translations into over 20 languages, and you were president of DC Comics during the Dark Knight movie period. Tell us when you started writing for DC. How old were you? So I was 16 when I began what? freelancing for DC. I'm lucky. I was a New York kid. I was one of the first kids into comics. And in those days, 
before 9-11, before the security world, you pretty much could wander through the office if you had a reasonable <laughs> excuse. I just hung around there enough that I was the first kid past an editor's office after somebody quit writing their letter columns. Wow. And I got, got the gig. Moxie is what you had back then, Moxie. And then you were editing, not for DC, but you were editing comics by age 19. Tell us about how you ended up being the president of DC Comics. Was it unusual for someone from the creative side to have an executive position like that? There's only a few of us who, in comics, who really have deep backgrounds in creative, who also ended up staying on the business side. Mm -hmm. I think I was a decent comic book writer. When I was writing Legion of Superheroes, it, for a long stretch, it was DC's second most profitable title. An honest run, certainly. He's a great writer. Don't let him pull this. <laughs> Paul, I'm told I cannot let you pull this. So please, you were a great writer. Great writer. Yeah. But there were very few people interested in business. Mm -hmm. And frankly, the parent company that owned us in the early 1980s didn't think DC Comics was a particularly meaningful business. Wow. So the idea of letting a 24-year-old become basically what was the chief operating officer of the company running the day-to-day -day side of the business, didn't come out as a screaming act of idiocy to anyone who had the authority to stop it. And I certainly wasn't going to point out to them how ridiculous the idea was. <laughs> I got about three decades as either the chief operating officer or ultimately as the chief executive officer of the company, playing with some of my favorite toys. That's so and cool. And writing a few of them on the side. One of your legacies that probably was a result of your having been a creator was that you were very uh, sure to give royalties and credit to people who created characters that later showed up in other media. Why was that important to you and why had that not been done already? That seems like a natural. The early days of the comic book industry treated creative people generally very poorly. There were mm. a few creators who managed to get deals where they had some sort of good financial stake in their property. And it showed in the comics. People weren't bringing their best ideas to work. Jeanette Kahn, who was the president of the company before me and one of my mentors, came in from outside the industry. She thought this was insane. And between us, we figured out how to give people equity in their characters, royalties on the sales, bonuses when it was some weird thing that was being used in a movie that that's there's something there. We used your stuff. We owe you something. What the hell do we owe you for doing this thing? Mm. And I know that would meant a lot to the creators themselves. Our, our late mutual friend Len Wein was quoted as saying, every time I see Paul Levitz, I kiss him. Len was a more successful writer, a better writer than I am. He had written a Batman story introducing this new character called Lucius Fox. Mm -hmm. and at the time, DC had a system whereby you could get a financial equity in a new character. I said, Len, you should get one on Lucius Fox. Ultimately, Lucius Fox role in the Christopher Nolan movies paid for his house, mm. vastly more than he made from his work created in Wolverine or co-creating Wolverine. Oh, that's interesting. More, he got wow. more from Lucius Fox than from creating Wolverine. By a factor of 10, probably. Wow. What? Are you kidding and me? And were all of his characters based on small carnivores? Wolverine, Fox? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Like a, a Dan Weasel in there. Well, speaking of, speaking of a lot of eccentric characters, let's talk about Legion of Superheroes. Uh, how did you view it as different from the other comics that you had written for? So I grew up on the Legion, mm -hmm. and a lot of what John said I bought into totally. The depth of the science fiction, the multiplicity of the characters just made it a really great playground for a writer. When you write Superman... You're pretty sure Lois Lane's going to make it at the end of the story. She's going to be okay. <laughs> when you write the Legion of Superheroes, you can kill Karate Kid. And in fact, I did. <laughs> His wife can get really pissed about that because you know, 
spouses sometimes do get annoyed when their yeah. spouse is killed. When you have hundreds of characters, some of them are a little expendable. <laughs> exactly. That's and great. it made for a much much more dramatic environment to play with as a writer. Well, speaking of Legion of Superheroes, uh, you heard our discussion about that controversial story about the hyphen. Can you confirm or deny Danielle's theory about the hyphen being removed or inserted in Legion of Superheroes? Actually, Danielle, I'm sorry to say that that's not quite the, the legal basis. Am I wrong? Uh, oh. Marvel tried to trademark the word superheroes back in the day, but it uniquely became one of the very few trademarks in the entire world that's co-owned by two companies, Marvel and DC. Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. I'm so sorry. No, you're so right. And that's why in other things, they call them science heroes. I I should, I mean, obviously you would. (laughs) That's all right. Obviously you would not. I'm sorry. I'm also like nerd girding out right now. Danielle Danielle has been quietly freaking out the whole time you've been. (laughs) I am sitting under the learning tree right now. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. More than happy to do do lunch, Danielle, and let you nerd out in person and tell you some more stories. He said it. I heard it. We have it on record. It's been recorded. Well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned and then talk a little bit more about these topics. Uh, We wanted to know from John, who were the first two non-humanoids to show up in the Legion of Superheroes comics. What was the first answer that John gave, Helen? John said Quisling. And Paul? So there was a very famous traitor to Norway named Vikan Quisling, who was a Norwegian who cooperated with the Nazis and helped the Nazis rule Norway after they invaded there. And in fact, that legionnaire that John referred to, a little guy, basically an energy creature living in a metal spaceship, was named after Vikan Quisling because I wanted people to suspect that perhaps he was a traitor. Mm-hmm. But his name instead was Quizlet. Ah, oh, Quizlet. Oh. So do you want to give John a half a point for that? I would give him half credit. I mean, that's the that's where the name comes from. Okay, so. half a point because he did get the he did get the derivation. I'm sorry, John. You're going to have to accept that half. point. I knew I was wrong, and I reject that half point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, Paul. You can Venmo no. it to me. Yeah, you can Venmo. <laughs> a lot of Venmoing of points today. Because I knew Quisling was a pejorative term for a traitor, and I knew mm-hmm. that the character could not right. have been named Quisling, but it's the only thing that I mm. could remember. Uh, Helen, what was the next answer that John gave as far as the non-humanoid character? John said, "Tell us." And uh, Mr. Levitz? Was indeed sort of a giant telepathic fish creature. Very good. A full point there for John. And finally, we wanted to know who was the writer who created with Steve Lytle those two characters. Helen, what did John say? Without hesitation, John said Paul Levitz. And? Guilty as charged. (laughs) That's what a judge likes to hear in his courtroom. Another full point for John Hodgman. John, while we have Paul here, is there anything that you would like to ask or say to him? Anytime you want a teleconference with me, you're welcome to do so. But I look very much forward to getting back together with you in person. A pleasure, John. Soon, now I that, hope. Now that that seems to be possible soon. And Danielle, you should come along because it's a good time. That would be fun. Don't threaten me with a good time. No. <laughs> well, Danielle, I want to give you a chance. I did not know that you also were a fan. So I want to give you a chance. Is there anything you'd like to ask or say to Paul Levitz? Oh, here, here we go. Whomst would you cast as Booster Gold? <sighs> so wow. I'm going to tell a story on myself to explain why I'm no good at this. I had a great time working with Chris Nolan on the Dark Knight movies and Zack Snyder on Watchmen, some of the other projects. But basically my main effort with any of them was more on the script and on the mythology. I suck at things like casting. (laughs) I walk into the office of the executive at Warner Brothers who's responsible for Batman Begins, a guy named Greg Silverman, and Greg's all excited Paul, it's great. We got Gary Oldman to play Commissioner Gordon. And I say, that's great. What's he been in? 
<laughs> and Greg says, he won an Oscar, Paul. I said, I'm not doubting that he's terrific, Greg. I'm just not a movie guy, and I'd like to look at something specific that he's been in. And they immediately sent you Sid and Nancy, I presume. Uh, <laughs> and he said, that's our commissioner. <laughs> Paul, it's been so wonderful that you've joined us. If people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they do that? The website is paullevitz.com, which is in the middle of being refurbished, but hopefully is working at the moment. And I'll pick up on something John mentioned about his roommate, Barry Liga. Barry put together recently a anthology of short stories of young people with extraordinary powers called Generation Wonder. It will be out in June from Amulet Books. And my first ever piece of prose nonfiction is a short story in that. And a bunch of more experienced fiction writers have contributed to it as well. You can't stop him from writing those great stories. We're so happy that you joined us. Paul Levitt, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you, Paul. Yay. Thanks, everybody. Yay, indeed. Quizlet, Quizlet, I'll never forget again, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, John Hodgman has nine and a half points, and Danielle Radford has two points with a round of questions for Danielle coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Danielle about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, John and Danielle will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. But first, a little bit more about the Max Fun Drive. You know, Helen, Max Fun Drive really is about connecting with the people who connect with our show. And we're so happy to get such wonderful messages from some of our listeners. I want to play a voice recording we got from one of our listeners who supports Max Fun and let them tell you why they think that you should support Max Fun. Here's Daniel from Yorktown, Virginia. Daniel? Hi, my name is Daniel from Yorktown, Virginia. I just wanted to share how much Go Back to Yourself really means to me. It's an incredible show where you get to learn so much about things you honestly never would have looked up. I went out to California to see some friends, and I've never been on the West Coast before. I had reached out to Jay Keith, and he told me when the shows were scheduled for that month. And I was so lucky to be able to plan to go and see them live. That week was also very special because that was the week that we found out we were pregnant with our first kid. So a lot of memories are surrounding Go Fact Yourself, and I love the show and its hosts very much. Thank you. Wow, thank wow. you, Daniel. Wow, I wonder I wonder how little Jay Keith or little Helen is doing now. This is not to say, y'all, that listening to Go Fact Yourself will get you pregnant. <laughs> this is not to say that at all. Yeah. Please, we cannot, legally, we cannot say that listening to Go Fact Yourself is a fertility treatment. No, 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 no. Uh, you will not be impregnated just by listening to Go Fact Yourself. You have to do some additional work. But... We're so happy, Daniel, that we were able to coincide with such wonderful news. And we're so excited to have you as a fan. And this is part of the community that we love being a part of, don't we, Jakey? Absolutely. No, we're so lucky. And this is one of the reasons why we're so grateful to be coming back with live shows very soon. You know, it's been a very trying time for a lot of people dealing with this pandemic and working from home and doing stuff over Zoom. And, and we're so happy to hear from so many people who say that being able to count on Go Fact Yourself continuing with shows has been a small part of being able to cope with stuff. So if you feel like Go Fact Yourself has enriched your life during these really, really tough times, show us some love. Why don't you? By becoming a member. We're not just asking for your contributions. We're actually going to be giving some things to you as well. And if you join or upgrade to the $10 a month level or more, you get a brand new patch that we designed just for Go Fact Yourself listeners. It was inspired by my partner in crime and putting on Go Fact Yourself, Jim Newman. Jim, why don't you briefly describe what this patch is? Because all I know is it looks really, really cool. So my idea for the patch was one of 
the categories that I probably would choose if I were a contestant. It's an artist from Sweden named Oskar Reutersvar. Of course it is. <laughs> You've probably seen work by M.C. Escher. Yes. And where stairs seem to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. M.C. Escher was inspired by <gasps> Oskar Reutersvard. Wow. And one of the things he did was take various letters or initials and put them together in an impossible situation. <gasps> so I thought, wouldn't it be fun if we did that with the initials of our show, G-E-F-Y? So that is what our patch is. See, listeners, there is no limit to how obscure the topic of your obsession can be. And the best thing about the patch is you don't have to know any of that to enjoy it. It's just a really cool logo that says GFY that you can put on any of your favorite clothing items. It looks great, and we hope that you will consider joining or upgrading at the $10 a month level or more to get that great patch. And, of course, if you want to join at the $20 a month or more level, you get a creativity pack that has all sorts of fun things you can do contributed by various max fun hosts, including Helen and me. And $35 a month is a messenger bag. At $100 a month, you get all sorts of access to so many other fun things. The point is, you can give as little or as much as you like and get all sorts of amazing perks. And we appreciate every single dollar that you contribute to go fact yourself through the Maximum Fun Drive. Helen, how do they join as a member? Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. That's MaximumFun.org slash join. And don't forget those amazing stretch goals that we have where you can play on an episode of Go Fact Yourself. Speaking of which, let's get back to this week's episode of Go Fact Yourself. Helen, here's a pre-recorded version of you welcoming us back. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, John Hodgman and Danielle Radford. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thanks so much, Helen. All right, Danielle, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms and sketch shows, the video game Mortal Kombat, and Seattle. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms and sketch shows means to you. So I was very much a, not to age myself, (laughs) those early 90s sitcoms and like late 80s Nickelodeon sitcoms were like so instrumental for me wanting to just start being funny in places. Like, uh, hey dude, Mm -hmm. Keenan and Cal, Mm -hmm. obviously all Mm -hmm. that, but also things like Roundhouse, which I was super into welcome freshman mm-hmm. i was super into and it inspired me all right you also said you know a lot about the video game mortal Kombat. tell us about that yo uh so i have always loved video games and the instant that someone said hey there's a video game called mortal Kombat where you have to enter a code to see blood i was like yeah <laughs> yeah i do and i became an instant fan started following it through the arcades. I would learn all of like the combos and I got really into the lore and I was very much, and I had some years where I fell off because the lore wasn't like as interesting and like I didn't really like the gameplay mechanics, but I have, I am hardcore back into the lore now. I <laughs> <laughs> love that lore. All right. And then finally, Danielle, you said you know a lot about Seattle. Well, no, long story short, I'm from their military family, bloop, 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 but lived in Seattle for like 10 years when I was an adult. Public transportation, the areas around things that you can find in Seattle, neighborhoods. I feel like I'm pretty well versed. All right. Well, bloop, bloop, bloop. I, I definitely hear that. All right, so to summarize, Danielle, you said you know a lot about early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms and sketch shows, the video game Mortal Kombat, and Seattle. Today we're going to quiz you about 
Early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms oh, and sketch All right. shows. Let's see what we do. When was the last time you saw a Nickelodeon sitcom or sketch show from that era? Do you still consume it these days? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. I've watched some of the, the Roundhouse ones. It is like this is going to be very challenging as mm-hmm. far as like names of people. I'm sure you'll do um, great. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints among mm. these five questions. Now, John, do listen closely because you can steal if Danielle gets any of them wrong. John, by the way, how much do you know about early 1990s Nickelodeon sitcoms and sketch shows? Zero. Oh, okay. Because a I don't want to, I don't to, want to first... age myself, but I was... Uh... Yeah. Out of the demo by the time. Okay, all right. So a little bit of a contrast to our first topic. Let's see uh, if Danielle lets you in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm excited to learn. I love that attitude. Thank you, John. All right, Danielle, here's question number one. The 1990s began by airing the final new episodes of the sketch show, You Can't Do That on Television, which had introduced the world to a green liquid that would be dropped, sprayed, and splashed on many people's heads Gak. on many different Nickelodeon shows and is Gak. still used as a symbol for the network <laughs> to this day. What is this iconic green substance called? Gek. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Also, slime is what it was uh, known as. Fun fact, slime first appeared on Nickelodeon in 1979. Kids on You Can't Do That on Television were paid an extra $25 to $50 for agreeing to be slimed. And on the game show Double Dare, the goo was also known as Gak. All right, Danielle, you got one down. Here's question number two. Many of Nickelodeon's live-action shows in the early 90s were taped at the brand-new Nickelodeon Studios, which opened in 1990 as part of what brand-new Orlando theme park? Universal. Helen? That is correct. Universal Studios Florida for the point. Very well done. Fun fact, some of the popular shows that taped at Nickelodeon Studios Florida included Legends of the Hidden Temple, Keenan and Kel, and The Mystery Files of Shelby Wu. By the way, we play a game related to Universal Studios theme park in our 2022 Max Fun Drive bonus content episode available to Max Fun supporters now in the bonus content feed. All right, question number three. Meanwhile, Leonia, New Jersey was the taping location for one of the first original live-action sitcoms ever to air on Nickelodeon. It started as a series of interstitial programming, then a run of specials in 1991, and finally three seasons of full shows from 1993 to 1996. The sitcom was about two brothers, both of whom had the same name. What was the same first name shared by the titular Wrigley brothers in the show that followed their adventures? Pete and Pete. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. You are three for three. Fun fact, that show, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, featured Steve Buscemi as a school guidance counselor, Adam West as a principal, and Iggy Pop as one of the Pete's friend's dad. The 1990s were a magical time. Yes. All right, Danielle, here's question number four. You still have your two hints available. There are many memorable sitcoms and sketch shows from the early 1990s on Nickelodeon, and then maybe some you might not remember. But which of the following is not the title of a sitcom or sketch show from the early 90s on Nickelodeon? And I have a feeling you'll be able to eliminate a couple of these right away. Was it Don't Just Sit There, Welcome Freshman, Roundhouse, Splat, or Wienerville? Which one of those was not a sitcom or sketch show from the early 90s on Nickelodeon? Oh, jeez. Would you mind repeating that? Not at all. Don't just sit there. Welcome freshman, roundhouse, splat, or Wienerville. Not to be confused with Dicktown. Uh, don't just sit there? <laughs> Helen, is it don't just sit there? It is not don't just no, sit there. No, I'm terribly Darn it. Okay. sorry. Uh, nope. John, uh, well, well, then now I know what it is. John Hodgman with a chance to steal. It's got to be Wienerville. Helen? 
It is not Wienerville. No. Wow. No, there was a Wienerville. Wienerville before Dicktown? There was a Wienerville before Dicktown. Daniel knows it now. Yes, it was Splat. Splat. Fun fact, Splat was the name for a programming block on Nickelodeon in the 2000s, but was not the name of an individual trick show from question. the 90s. Trick, trick question. All right. Let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. You still have a hint available. Well, Nickelodeon received several Emmy Awards in the early 1990s for its animated programming, only one of its live-action shows was ever even nominated for the Outstanding Children's Program Emmy during this era. A 1994 episode called A Little Romance from what sitcom or sketch series? Oh, 1994, 1994. What were they airing? A Little Romance, A Little Romance. You do have a hint available if you'd like to use the hint. I will take the hint. Helen, how about that first hint? The series starred Melissa Joan Hart as someone trying to get you to understand everything. Oh, it's uh, Clarissa Explains It All. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very nice use of the hint. Fun fact, Clarissa Explains It All lost that Emmy to the CBS School Break special for an episode entitled Kids Killing Kids slash Kids Saving Kids. Clarissa Explains It All is one of the uh, masters in the genre of dudes best friends sneaking into their best girlfriend's windows who later become a couple. Nope, I'm just going to stop. Yep. You, you, know, you know that old saw. I was like, why don't I have a best friend who uses a ladder to get into my room when my parents are asleep? Because it's illegal. Yes. Danielle, you did quite well in that, but now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. The answer is worth up to three points. Danielle, Nickelodeon's original signature sketch show premiered in 1994, relaunched in 2000, and was revived in 2019. Described as a kid's version of Saturday Night Live, the show featured recurring sketches like Ask Ashley, Good Burger, and its centerpiece segment with a young woman seated at a desk telling jokes directly to the camera. We're up to three points. What is the two-word title of this long-running sketch show? What was the name of that centerpiece segment? And what original cast member was featured in that segment, along with another signature sketch of hers, The Loud Librarian? Oh, this is where I messed this up because I love her so much. This makes me so angry. Obviously, it was all that. Um, it was, oh gosh, oh gosh, she was such a great actress. She was amazing. She used to go on all these other things. I'm not going to remember her name and she's going to wind up being my expert. What about the segment, though? Let's focus on that. What was the name of the segment? where this person sat at a desk and told jokes directly to the camera. Oh, my God. It was a new segment, and it was so funny, and it was dry and punny, and I can't remember it right now. And it's making me so something, 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 Melissa, something, something. Not Melissa. No, I don't have it. Gosh, no. But, but you know what? If she's here, I'm going to lose my entire life. So. All right. So no answer on those last two parts. But Helen is taking note of your answers. We do have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor, comedian, wedding officiant, and podcaster who was an original cast member on the Nickelodeon sketch show All That. It's Lori Beth Denberg. Damn it! Yes, <laughs> I can see what an inspiration I was to your entire being. <laughs> Yo! I can really feel the impact I've had on your life. Yo, I, 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 uh, you are white. Shade me as much as you want to, but like everyone that was on that show was obviously talented or they wouldn't have been cast. Her uh, uh, improvisation hit and they would have her on a bunch of different shows because they knew that she was the best person that they had. It was unst- Deniable. 
they also had me on a lot of shows. <clears throat> Excuse me. Forgive my voice. I do have a touch of the COVID. Oh, no. oh I'm okay, though. Okay, yeah, I'm glad you're okay. They had me on the shows because I was over 18, so they didn't have to schedule my work hours around school. <laughs> <laughs> also fair. Also fair. Oh, but I am also the most talented. Yes, as well. obviously, obviously. That's, that's not untrue. We're going to talk about your time in Nickelodeon in, in a second, but I have to go back to one thing in your introduction. I recognized actor. I recognized comedian. I recognized podcaster. Wedding efficient was something that a lot of people might be uh, surprised to learn about. It sounds like it's a joke, but but it's not. But it kind of started as a joke. Tell us about wedding officiating. Good friend of mine that I've known since the first grade was getting married to his now wife. And I knew they were having a small wedding, so I said, you know, I'd be happy to help you with whatever. I'm not assuming I'll be invited. (laughs) And then I made the joke. I said, hey, I should officiate your wedding because then I'll definitely get invited. (laughs) I was like, ha, ha, ha. And apparently a couple days later, they looked at each other and were like, I know she was kidding, but I think she should. And they agreed, and I got ordained and married them. And I wrote them like a whole personalized ceremony, and people really loved it. So I started offering the service, and I've probably done 30, 35 weddings wow. across the United States. Oh, that's so great. I get to go international. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty I great. love it. It's, officiating a wedding is the best seat in the house. Oh, It's wow. really great. That's really lovely. And now let's talk about your podcast. It is called Bad Advice with Lori Beth Denberg. <laughs> uh, it, uh, you describe it as exploring questions of life, love, and how to get through each day without murdering anyone. How is that going so far? I have, as most child actors have, a long history of trauma and experiences Mm -hmm. that one can, you know, either succumb to or use to help others. So I do give good advice. It is thoughtful. It is informed by my own experiences with drug abuse and Mm. body image issues and life and love and work and all this kind of stuff. It's called bad advice as kind of a legal protection. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't like what happened, try explaining to a judge that you got bad advice from a show called Bad Advice. Well, there's one right here if you want to explain to a judge. Yeah, exactly. For legal reasons, I only refer to myself as a fake judge. Fake judge. Okay, very good. Very good. (laughs) Is it okay if I get like a little schmoopy for a second um I'm sorry you were one of uh the first really funny people that I saw that was like in a position where people like acknowledged how funny you were and you were not denied and growing up uh as a uh as a fat girl as a plus size girl your existence and being on tv and being so visual I would not be here if it was not for you that's like 100 percent true 100% 100% I appreciate that. Oh, we love Schmoopy. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to ruin the moment, yeah. which I love, but remember my name next time. <laughs> <laughs> roast me. Do you have any... Roast me, Mommy. Do you have any idea how much I want to be roasted by you? <laughs> I appreciate that. That's really lovely. We appreciate that sentiment as well. Uh, Lori Beth, let's talk about uh, your work on Nickelodeon. You actually got scouted when you were in high school. And uh, if I understand it right, your audition for all that was actually your first professional audition ever. Uh, tell us about how that worked and, and what that audition process was. Yes, I was a full-scale drama geek. Mm-hmm throughout my entire school history. I was in a drama competition in my senior year of high school in a scene, a two-person scene that won first place. And the producers from all that were there scouting for kids. Mm. Actually, the producers of Untitled Sketch Comedy Show (laughs) were there, got a call at school that they wanted me to come audition. 
and went in and auditioned and got a call back and booked the job. What? So it was it was quite surreal. Very cool. Well, uh, yeah. this news segment, which we'll find out the name of later. Um, ah. You were you were I, I I've been watching clips of throughout the last week, and and I was so impressed, particularly on the news segment, because you were so good at delivering sometimes pretty sophisticated jokes, sometimes pretty silly jokes, but with a lot of commitment. Did that come naturally to you? Did you have to get coaching uh, at the time on on how to deliver jokes? Because there's a lot of people who just can't do that, especially. At a young age. No, that was Kel Mitchell from Keenan and Kel was also on the show with me on all that. Mm-hmm. And originally, the unnamed segment yes. was tasked to him. Oh. And he was doing it, and I was just like, I know exactly what that's supposed to be, mm. and I'm jealous as anyone has ever been of anything. Mm. Sometime during the week, they said, you know, Kel's loaded down. Do you want to do this? And I was older than most of the cast. The youngest was 10. The rest fell in the middle, like 11, 12, 13, and I was 18. Oh, wow. Uh, and already, like, a comedy near two. I loved David Letterman. I loved Mystery Science Theater. I loved The Simpsons. In the cutting, kind of satirical, mm-hmm. dry way that that stuff went. So that was me understanding the material and how to... How to give it all I have. That's very sophisticated for 18. You you know, you just graduated from high school or you were either still in high school when you auditioned. And that's very sophisticated comedy to understand. Yeah, I I might not have done well in school because I stayed up all night (laughs) watching 90s and 80s comedy. Hey, whatever I kind of studied. Wow. We talked earlier about Nickelodeon Studios Florida at Universal Studios. That's where the show first started in its early years. What was that like working there? Because uh, you got to, it was actually at a theme park. What was it like working at a theme park? It was kick-ass awesome. Yeah, great. Great to hear. Growing up, because I always, always wanted to be an actor, I loved going to Universal Studios Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I, li- I live in Los Angeles. I live very close to it. Mm-hmm. To be able to go... To Universal Florida and work there was already amazing because all of a sudden I was, you know, my whole life I'd been, I want to be an actor. I don't know how it's going to happen. It was like, oh, here you are. Mm-hmm. Wow. So besides that being amazing, you know, I could just go out the door of the studio into the theme park and on my lunch break, go on the Back to the Future ride <laughs> and maybe get some a clam chowder bread bowl in San Francisco <laughs> town. <laughs> And then just come back and do the code on the door to get back in because I was the coolest. And in my free time, got to make a TV show. Unbelievable. Now, all that being a variety show in addition to the sketches, you guys had some great musical guests. Did you get to see them perform? And and who were some that maybe stood out to you? Well, looking back, if you look at the first couple seasons, like Baby Usher, (laughs) like little tiny Usher, who I know when I I think we met when he was 15 or something. Coolio would be around and be like, this isn't yes. appropriate. This is inappropriate. Yeah, you don't, you, don't see, you don't see a lot of crossover with Nickelodeon and Gangster's Paradise, but uh, there we are. No, yeah. you don't. And, and quite frankly, perhaps we shouldn't have, yeah. but <laughs> time moves forward. Again, the 90s were a crazy time, kids. And then the show did eventually move to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah where all things come to die. (laughs) And I just remember at really a very high point in their fame, the Spice Girls came on our show. Wow. That really made me feel kind of famous-ish. Like, I'm legit on the show that the Spice Girls came to. Damn right. And and Coolio was still around for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, he he couldn't find his way home. It was really sad. I mean, that's why you had to move the show to Los Angeles. You were trying to get away from Coolio. (laughs) 
driver. He's like. outside again. <laughs> uh, I told you to stop putting cookies out for it. He's not going to leave. Uh, Lori Beth, you got to appear on a whole bunch of other Nickelodeon shows. The one that I always enjoyed watching you on was Figure It Out because I was a big game show fan. Now, on Figure It Out, in addition to playing this game, you often were slimed, uh, as we talked about earlier. You had sort of a strategy for dealing with being slimed. Tell us about that. What I have learned over my years in show business (laughs) boils down to this. Be on time, know your lines, and when you're getting slimed, lean back (laughs) so that it goes down the front. Because A, it's a better show. It's what people want to see. And B, and more importantly, if you get slime in your butt crack, (gasps) you have no traction when you're walking. (laughs) And it is just a free for all. You do not appreciate the importance of butt crack traction until it's gone. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about, Lori Beth, there is a new opportunity for people to see you starting April 24th on television in something that people might not think of your oeuvre. Tell us about this uh, show that you're going to be on. That is correct. I am part of the cast of the upcoming Worst Cooks in America, <gasps> That's So 90s edition. I fit the sh- the you know title. Mm-hmm. They found one of the worst cooks in America, <laughs> <All right. laughs> and molded me into the man I am today. <laughs> I got to meet a bunch of people that were great. We kind of went through you know boot camp together. It premieres on the twenty fourth of April on the Food Network. Very cool. Let's get to the reason we brought you here. As far as our game is concerned, you heard the question we asked of Danielle. First, we wanted to know what. Yes, I did. What was the two? We got to get this over with. I'm sorry, everybody. But what? what, First, we wanted to ask what is the two-word title of that long-running sketch show that started in 1994 on Nickelodeon? Helen, what did Danielle say? Danielle said all that. And Lori Beth. That is correct. That is correct for the point. Let's remember how good it feels to have gotten that point. Uh, (laughs) Next, we wanted to know what was the name of that centerpiece segment where a young lady read jokes directly to the camera. We did not have an answer from Danielle for that, but what was it called, Lori Beth? Vital information. Vital Mm. information. I'm sorry, no point there. And then we wanted to know who was that young woman seated at the desk telling those jokes so deftly. Danielle was not able to come up with the name, but what is that person's name, Lori Beth Denberg? Um, uh, it is Lori Beth Denberg. It is Lori Beth Denberg. Yay. <sighs> Danielle, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have her here? Yeah, is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to <laughs> say? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I messed up your name. You're really a big inspiration to me, and you're so funny, and you're so funny off the cuff, and the way that you deliver lines is amazing, and you made me want to be a child actor, and then later everyone else was like, don't be a child actor. And then I became an 18-year-old actor, and that was still also a very terrible decision. Um, but yes. So far, you're you on track. So far, everything you say I relate to, and it's true. You're, you're, yes. It's all good. Lori Beth, it was so wonderful to have you join us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? They can find me at LB Denberg on Instagram, the Lori Beth Denberg fan page on Facebook, and at Ask Lori Beth on all the socials and AskLoriBeth.com. That's where you can submit questions through email, voicemail for my podcast if you need advice. Excellent. Well, I'm so happy I took the advice of whoever said that we should get Lori Beth Denberg because we are so happy that you joined us on this show. Thank you so much, Lori Beth. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a genuine pleasure. Oh, yay. 
All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of that round, John Hodgman has nine and a half points and Danielle Radford has seven points. All right, now it is time for a final round we call Fast Facts. I'm going to read 10 statements. Each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with John and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. John, Pizza Hut has over 100 locations. True. Correct. Danielle, Pizza Hut has fewer than 200 locations. Uh, true. For sure true. Incorrect. No, it actually has over 17,000 locations worldwide. Still? Still. John, the first Pizza Hut location was in an actual hut. True. Incorrect. Danielle, the first Pizza Hut location was in a house. True. Correct. John, that house was in Kansas. True. Correct. Danielle, that original Pizza Hut house is still standing in Wichita, Kansas. False. Incorrect. No, it really Really? is. John, in 2017, that original Pizza Hut house was moved. False. Incorrect. No, they really picked it up, put it on a truck, and moved it. Danielle, it's now located on a farm. Uh, False. Correct. John, it's now located in a shopping mall. True. Incorrect. Danielle, it's now located on a university campus. Oh, I'll say true. Correct. John, I, J. Keith, am going to Wichita, Kansas this summer. True. Correct. Danielle, I'm going to visit the original Pizza Hut location house. False. Incorrect. No, damn right I am. And finally, John, (laughs) I expect to receive an honorary degree from Pizza Hut University. False. Correct. All right, we're not going to count those last few. I'm going to thank John Hodgman and Danielle Radford as Helen tabulates the final score. By the way, you can see the original Pizza Hut location house at Wichita State University. I will be there in June. I hope they're going to give you a big bag of money for the uh, advertising you just gave them. <laughs> Mostly, I just want them to give you a personal pan pizza. Yeah, because, I, would, like... I would be happy for a personal pan pizza, I'll be honest. <laughs> Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, John Hodgman has 11 and a half points, and Danielle Radford has nine points. Oh, a nice close game, but congratulations, John Hodgman. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. John, what will you do with your championship? I'm going to Venmo Danielle some more points. <laughs> All and, right. Uh, we're going to have lunch with Paul Levitz. Yay. And then I'm going to check out Lori Beth Denberg's uh, Instagram account that I just signed it's on for. all us. happening. She's Excellent so news. She is dope. We want to give everyone here on the panel a chance to promote anything they might like. John Hodgman, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you and your work? New episodes of Judge John Hodgman come out every Wednesday on the Maximum Fun Network. Thank you so much to Maximum Fund members for your support. If you're not a member, obviously, please go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And all episodes of Dicktown that exist so far. I do not know about a season three, but all episodes of season one and season two are available now on Hulu. You can go there very easily by Googling Dicktown. <laughs> I promise you, it, the first thing that comes up is our show. It's kind of a miracle. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that you joined us. I know we've been trying to do this for a long time. We're so happy that it worked out to have Mr. I John can't wait Hodgman to come back. on our show. Thank you so much. Danielle Radford, where can people find you and what you're up to? My Max Fun wrestling podcast is called Tights and Fights. It's me, Lindsay Kelk, who is a romance writer, and Hal Lublin, who is also on another Max Fun podcast called We Got This, where they debate things like ketchup. Should it exist? 
which like obviously it should uh and then me who um spends a lot of time making fun of a lot of other people's art which is really fun and people like it on the honest trailers um and also i write comic books and stuff so go check those out Thank excellent you. we'll check all of that out we're certainly happy that you checked into our show danielle radford ladies and gentlemen my hosting partner is the helen the hong the helen hong helen where can people find out what you're up to i am going to be performing live for the first time in a very long time at the san francisco punchline i'm headlining there april 27th through yeah. the 30th so mm. come on out and see me live and in person and don't bring your COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know you were tempted, but please leave your COVID at home. And me, you can check out the film that I'm co-producing, a short film that is going to be starring and written by my fiance Sarah Rodenbaugh. You can go check that out at hangmanfilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. And of course, we're back with a live in-person show, our first in over two years on Saturday, June 18th at 7 p.m. in Pasadena at the KPCC Crawford Family Forum. Go to kpcc.org slash live, all lowercase, for tickets, and we'll be announcing our guests soon. And of course, please do not forget the Max Fun Drive that is happening now. Helen, what does it mean to you to be able to do our show through the support of Max Fun members? I love it so much, J. Keith. Remember in the before times when we had live shows and we could actually engage with people face-to-face? Mm-hmm. It really showed me like that the work we do here at Go Fact Yourself is truly a appreciated by our listeners. Unfortunately, we haven't had that in the past two years, the face-to-face contact, but we do appreciate any outreach from the listeners and especially membership. So if you've enjoyed any of our episodes, think about what is that worth to you? Is it worth a couple bucks? Is it worth maybe five bucks a month? You know, that's less than $3 per episode that we put out each month. If you think that's worth it to you, and if you think you want to help other people enjoy the show as well, please do consider joining at MaximumFun.org slash join. Believe it or not, listeners, we are not automatically experts on all the obscure topics that our contestants choose. We actually have to do some deep dive research on things like Tiger Woods's golf coaching techniques <laughs> and religious cults in Arkansas. That stuff just doesn't come intuitively to us. <laughs> so if you have been touched by our show, enlightened by our show, learned something, laughed, then please share your love for us by joining at MaximumFun.org slash join. And don't forget, anyone who becomes a new upgrading or boosting member gets a chance to opt in to play our months-long trivia tournament for a chance to be on a special listener edition mini-episode of the show and if we get to 650 of those wonderful new upgrading or boosting members we'll add a second episode and at 800 new upgrading or boosting members we will add a full listener episode via zoom with experts the whole nine yards that you have a chance to be on so please help us reach our goals we are so eager to do that for you our listeners That just leaves me to thank John Hodgman, Danielle Radford, Paul Levitz, and Lori Beth Denberg, and thank you for listening and supporting our show, especially during the Max Fun Drive at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. June 18th. It is happening, people. Saturday, June 18th. Go to GoFactorPod.com for schedule and free tickets to this event. Meanwhile, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Love Paula But Not Her Cussing Did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, I really enjoy your show and your 
guest are delightful. Thanks, love Paula, but not her cussing. We love you and your cussing. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher, William Wu of WilliamWooBooks.com, and Bob Skier. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Christine Vallada. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go join the Legion of Superheroes. Ooh, I'll be Star Trek Next Generation Girl. And I'll be Podcast Boy. <laughs> Yours just rolls off the tongue faster. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported